Fresh Fiction Podcast is brought to you by Ravel Books and Bethany House, publishers of A Most Noble Air by Susan Ann Mason. Susan and I dove into A Most Noble Air for today's episode. We also talked about how researching her family's roots encouraged her to write historical fiction, and she told me about the tragic real-life love story that inspired A Most Noble Air's main characters, Hannah and Nolan. If you love what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to the Fresh Fiction Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or any of your other favorite podcast apps. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram by following at Real Vixen. Stay tuned for my interview with Susan Ann Mason. I'm so excited about talking about A Most Noble Heir um, for the podcast, uh, so we could just get right into it if that's okay. Sure, that's fine. Okay, great. Um, well, let's first start with uh, just if you can tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, I'm, I've been married for almost 33 years. Um, got two children that are adults now, still living at home. <laughs> um, I work part-time as a church secretary, which I really enjoy. Um, and then most afternoons I try to do some writing. Oh, that's, that's pretty much it. I live in, oh, I live in Toronto, near, near Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Oh, wonderful. Is it, uh, how's the weather right now? Kind of cold. Kind of cold still. <laughs> We're still hoping for spring soon. Hopefully. I started seeing those, but the, the trees starting to bloom, that's always the first sign. Oh, no, Arthur, nowhere near that yet. <laughs> so you, um, so you, you said that you're, uh, you get to try to write as much as you can every day. What sort of inspired you to start writing? Had it always been um, something that you loved, or was it something you found later in life? Um, it's interesting, actually. I was writing as a child. One of my uh, uh, teachers encouraged me that I should write a book when I was, I think, in grade six. Oh, wow. And I... <laughs> I wrote a really horrible uh, book, uh, kind of in the line of Nancy Drew mysteries with a bunch of teenage kids way back when. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I did actually send it to a publisher back then, and it got politely rejected. Um, And then during high school, I was just really busy, uh, and, you know, life just intervened. Went to university, met my husband, and all that happened. And then it wasn't until my kids were a little older, like they were not needing me quite so much, and I started reading again that I just, you know, handled a lot of books and fiction, and I thought, I should start writing again and see, see how that goes, and, and never really intended to be published, but just did it for myself, more or less, than anything else, and just kind of evolved from there. Oh, that's so cool. So had you always been interested in historical fiction, or was that, um, was like your first sort of stories that you were writing as an adult, were they historical, or did they Oh, no, they other? weren't, actually. Most of them were contemporary. Oh, wow. And... Um, I had sworn that I would never write historical because, oh, it just seemed so t- labor-intensive with all the research you had to do. Mm-hmm. And um, But it wasn't until I started doing research on my own family that I just fell in love with the whole process of learning your roots and, and the stories that come out of, you know, digging back into the past. And and uh, it just sparked in me a love of, of research and history. And I started writing, actually, I started writing uh, this book, which was originally called Air of Sainsby Hall. Mm-hmm. And I started writing that. And, uh, and I, yeah, it just kind of, and, and well, as soon as I started writing the historical, my critique partner said, oh, this is it. This is your voice. You found it. And I'm like, I did? Where, where <laughs> was it? I thought it was doing good all along. But everyone said that was my voice, so oh, there you go. Oh, that's so neat. It's just, it's just the, yeah, the direction the stories wanted to come out. That's cool. Yeah, I think that was it. Was that, um, a supr- I guess that was a surprise to hear from your critique partners that that was kind of the path that you needed to go down. Yes, very much so. And that one, 
that one was an interesting book because it just kind of I, I wrote it, but it had like so many problems because I knew nothing about the English, you know, royalty and dukes and barons and all this mm-hmm. stuff. So I kind of put it aside, and then because I had an idea for another book about a big Irish family, and that's the one um, Irish Meadows was the one that first got me published with Bethany House. So that was interesting, and then my poor other little English romance sat on the back burner for years. And then it just, yeah, it just had to wait for its time. That's right. That's right. It's just the way it evolved. That's so interesting because I, um, I was curious to know if, if the Irish Meadow series was first for you or if this one. So that's very fascinating that you kind of had to let it, you had to let the this new series sort of um, bake in your head a little bit. That's right. Yeah. And then this one was uh, originally going to be um, a two book series with another publisher and then at the, so it went through the whole process with them of many edits and, and being refined and and then at the last minute um, things went not so good with the publisher and my agent uh, pulled me out and I thought oh dear now my little story's not going to go anywhere and then my editor at Bethany House said um, well we'd kind of like to keep your stuff in house so I think we're going to publish it. Well, that was a nice surprise. That is a really nice surprise. And they're wonderful to work with, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I love Bethany House. They're fabulous. So um, what I thought was so great about the uh, most, not- uh, most Noble Heir was the central couple. They have so much struggle that they have to get through to kind of be with each other. And I was just curious in your research if you found s- sort of similar um, couples that either within your family line that you you know were investigating your ancestry or if your other research of other hu- people, if there were ever um, any other couples like them that you right. kind of based them oh. off. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't think so. I, I, I think it just all started from me imagining them because it was actually my great-great-grandfather who was uh, um, the groom at Stainsby Hall, mm-hmm. and my great-great-grandmother was the kitchen maid. And I was just started thinking back then, wow, I wonder, wonder how that all evolved. And then um, I was going through the census material to see what happened after they, you know, after they got married. And, I mean, at first to find out that they actually did get married, that was a huge thing because they had spelt their names wrong on the marriage certificates. And then they, unfortunately, had a really sad story. Mm. Um, He he died early of something, I think it was tuberculosis or something. And, uh, but I I was thinking, like, what, you know, because, you know, Downton Abbey, if you married a servant, you had to, like, leave. Like, a lot of times you weren't allowed to marry another servant and stay in the house. So I wondered if that's what happened because they both had left Stainsby Hall after that. And it was just got me thinking, you know, of, of all the, the the obstacles in the way of, of couples back then. And, and then I thought, but what would really be an obstacle is if he was actually wealthy and she wasn't because mm-hmm. that, that's a huge no-no back then. <laughs> so that's where it all started. That's so interesting. Yeah, so I was just – it was funny when I was just reading through it and I was like, that is such a um, – I don't know, it just seems bold, but also just so heartbreaking to think that they have to kind of be away from each other, and he's growing, and he can't take her with her, or take him, take her with him, and right. it was just, yeah, it was really tragic, but I loved, I loved, of course, that they have a happy ending, but I was very concerned about them the whole time. 
Oh, that's good. Let's keep you on your toes. That's what a writer's job is to do. <laughs> so you said you can't have it go too smoothly for them. Exactly right. You have to you have to give them obstacles and bumps in the road. That's right. <laughs> um, so you said that this ser- is this is not a series. Is, is this one just a standalone, or are you intending to kind of stay in this world again? Um, as far as I know, um, the publishers only wanted to do this one book. Okay. So, but I mean, if they ever, you know, if there's a, a lot of um, cry for a sequel and they decide that that would be something they'd be willing to do, I could definitely, uh, thinking of doing uh, the younger sister's story. So, we'll see. That would be so I'll cool. I'll keep that on the back burner in case, uh, in case they decide that, hey, that's a good idea. This is really popular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, well, yeah, I, I found it just to be very, just very engaging and very sweet. Oh, good. I'm glad. So, I that was. Um, I was hoping hoping people would think of Nolan and Hannah as just a really sweet young couple and, you know, be rooting for them. Absolutely. They were very easy to root for, that is for sure. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, So one of the things that we like to do at the Fresh Fiction Podcast is we um, are very interested into knowing what you're watching and what you're reading and what you're listening to. And I was curious if you had um, any recommendations for any of those. Okay. Well, I'm not a huge music person, unfortunately. Um... I, I tend to just grab onto a song. It doesn't, doesn't really matter who it is to hear it on the radio, and I like it if the, the lyrics speak to me. But I am liking Ed Sheeran's stuff lately. I don't know what it is about him. His music seems to tell stories, and I love that about, mm-hmm. about the lyrics. And they're also very romantic, which is another thing I love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would probably recommend his stuff. And as far as reading, right now I am just loving Susan May Warren's Montana Rescue series. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've read any of hers. I actually they chatted with her a couple of weeks ago, and oh, I, yeah? yeah, her books are so fascinating. Oh, they are, you know, and, and I, I actually was lucky enough to go to go to um, her Deep Thinkers retreat this, just a few weeks ago, and just sit there and try to absorb her, her brilliance, because oh, she's man. just amazing. <laughs> and what else? Well, right now I'm reading Catherine West's The Memory of You. I've just started it, but it looks like it's going to be fabulous. And are you, are you able to read when you're writing? Yes, I am. I am. I usually read at night. I try to read at least uh, about half an hour before I go to bed. It just kind of uh, relaxes me and unwinds my mind. But uh, and I, sometimes I try not to read the same genre that I'm writing because I don't want my voice to be sound too much like what I'm just reading. Mm-hmm. So I, if I'm you know writing my historicals, I will just kind of always read the contemporaries at that point and then save the historicals for when I'm <laughs> finished my book. Yeah, that's what I'm always curious about because I, I find I've been doing these chats with authors and seeing an interesting number of authors who actually do read within their genre while they're writing. Mm-hmm. And I've usually hear from oh, authors yeah. similar to you of, I can't read while I'm right. I can't read in my genre while I'm writing. Cause it's, yeah, it might form something. Especially if, if there's a really distinctive voice, like for instance, Laura France, she has an amazing voice. I cannot read her books while I'm, <laughs> all, of a sudden, all my stuff starts sounding like hers. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> It's not good for the ego. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. And are you, um, if you're into TV or movies, is there anything that you're uh, currently watching? Um, good question. I think right now my my favorite is This Is Us. I'm sure you've heard of that mm-hmm. one. I just love it. There's just so much, so many neat characters in it, and this, and the fact that it jumps back and forth between present and past, and it's so well written, and the and acting is fabulous. I just that's one that's really hooked me. Yeah, it's a very addictive show for sure. Mm-hmm, sure is. <laughs> well, great. Well, um, Susan, I have one last question for you. How can readers find out more about you? 
I guess my website at www.susanannmason.com. And I guess that's the best place. Or um, I'm also on Facebook if they find me there. And um, Twitter, I don't, I'm not a real huge Twitter person, but uh, I, I am at that too. So I think if you just look up my name, you should find me there. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your Friday. It was really lovely chatting with you. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'd like to extend my thanks again to Susan Ann Mason for joining me today. You can find A Most Noble Air anywhere books are sold. Thank you to Reveld and Bethany House for their continued support of the podcast. Make sure you stop by freshfiction.com to find out more about Susan and other Ravel and Bethany House authors. We're still growing, so please help us out by subscribing and rating the podcast, leaving a comment, or even just sharing it on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Fresh Fiction, Instagram as Fresh Fiction, and on Facebook. Until next time, happy reading. Thank you.